The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Welcome to the Financial Focus Radio Show. Today, you'll hear the truth in wealth building from the team at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. The truth in wealth building knowledge is brought to you every week on the Financial Focus Radio Network. Hello, everybody out there in Radioland. Thank you for joining us this weekend on Financial Focus. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there is Josh Finelli. We're partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the great Pacific Northwest. And we certainly appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. Uh, if you want to be part of the show, give us a call, 877-670-7117. Or go to our website, financialfocusradio.com, and send us an email. Got a little snow this week in the mountains. Made them look pretty cool. That was nice to see. I know it's that time of year, but we've had a an unbelievably great fall weather-wise. And uh, hoping it keeps up at least until my son's done with fall baseball. <laughs> 35 degrees when I drove over uh, 58 and during the week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Josh was in our Eugene office this week visiting clients over there. Uh, speaking of Eugene, the Ducks have a big game today. And uh, I will say that both both Oregon squads look pretty good. The the um, big beneficiaries in the Pac-12, at least what from what I can tell, of this transfer portal has been the Oregon State Beavers football team. They've gotten some... Pretty studly kids from the uh, SEC, and so um, good for them. Maybe Uncle Phil will sprinkle a little more fairy dust on the on the Beavers uh, football looking, team. They look like a top six uh, Mountain West team. Get, right now. <laughs> that, is that a side? <laughs> it's like a, an insult sideways. Kind of well, that it was going to be Troy. interesting uh, the day after Thanksgiving to see what happens. Uh, I know in the Civil War game. I think it's going to be quite the uh, football game this year. It looks like it's going to shake, shake. We'll see what happens though. They get. The uh, the ducks are on the farm this weekend. They got to deal with Stanford first. So. Don't want to eat my words on that one. All right, let's talk about the week that was in the capital markets. Volatility is certainly back and probably here to stay. So uh, I would tell you if you are participating in the market, you should get used to it. U.S. stocks, as measured by the S and P 500, were about two and a half percent lower on the week last week. Uh, so first significant sell-off. I mean, mar- markets are still really close to all-time highs. I think the S&P's uh, maybe just a little under 4% from the all-time high, so not meaningful from the all-time high. And and we can talk all throughout the show about the word anchoring as it relates to investments because our clients do it, and we know that you all do it. Uh, and anchoring is um, you know, where your account gets to the all-time high, and that's the new number that you care about and care about only, and anything lower than that is ridiculous. And maybe that number wasn't real, but you don't care, and you do it with you your lost, house. You do it you with lost your real money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You lost money from there, exactly. International developed markets were down a little more. They were down about 2.8% last week. Emerging market stocks were down three-quarters of a percent. The giant outperformance came from the U.S. small cap uh, market. Small cap stocks were up 1.1%. So if you look at it, and small cap value did even better. Uh, If you look at small cap stocks relative to almost all other equity markets, dramatic outperformance. The fact that they were positive, not only were they positive, but up over a percent relative uh, to most other indexes is dramatic outperformance. Uh, I know in our asset allocation, we have a healthy dose of small and mid-cap stocks, and uh, our portfolios did quite well last week, and we, we believe that uh, that's an allocation. We've talked about it a lot on the show, that you need to have a small-cap exposure, and we when we look at your client, when we look at uh, people that aren't our clients and prospective client meetings, when we look at their portfolios that are built by um, financial advisors, you, they're all lacking small-cap exposure uh, and we would we would tell you that that's a mistake if you're in that situation. A lot of you don't even know if you're in that situation the, or not. The dramatic underperformer of the week, uh, the Nasdaq, significantly off the lows, still down 3.7% on, on the week and uh, down 5% for the month of September. Uh, U.S. bonds, we saw yields back up a little bit. Uh, U.S. bond yields were a little bit lower, but the, uh, I mean, the 10 years, 1.48. We've still seen a big move in the bond market, uh, just barely off the lows. Uh, although last week on Tuesday, I think the 10-year hit 1.57. So 
That was interesting to see. Gold was up twenty five bucks last last week at seventeen sixty an ounce, and oil was higher again at seventy five dollars ninety four cents a barrel. Obviously, the outperform. We've seen this rotation from, like Josh said, the, the tech heavy Nasdaq into what we'd historically think of as value stocks. We've seen energy financials do really well. Uh, there's definitely we we did new e news last week uh, that we sent out to our clients, and you can get on that list if you go to our website. Uh, but there's definitely this push and pull in the markets right now. Um, which is obviously creating a lot of volatility. Um, we've seen a, a, a significant sell-off in long-duration assets. Uh, and, and these are assets that are they're very dependent on low interest rates. And so what markets are trying to adjust to is the Fed tapering, interest rates most likely going higher, and these long-duration assets uh, suffering. So long-dated bonds and any um, equities that are dependent on zero cost of capital really took it on the chin last week. Uh, stocks that actually make things and are real businesses and have real cash flow and aren't trading at huge multiples did very well last week. Well, and I think you look over to what's going on in the bond and loan markets. Uh, there was the largest uh, debt offering since the financial crisis this week uh, for leverage buyouts uh, to buy Medline. Private equity put it up um, in excess of $30 billion. There was a great story in the FT. $8.7 trillion has been raised from the capital markets so far this year. So companies are gorging. Uh, on cheap debt, uh, likely with the expectation of borrowing costs climbing in relatively short order. Yeah, I mean, I, I would submit that it's the easy money's been made. I mean, when you think about uh, since the the uh, coronavirus sell-off that we saw and then the $6 trillion of money that was dumped on the U.S. economy, we also saw big money dumps in other parts of the world. Uh, obviously, risk assets ran up significantly. House prices, stock, you know, anything with, that was a risk asset ran up significantly. And I think all of that easy money has already been made. Uh, and now going forward, uh, as the stimulus wears off, companies are going to have to stand on their own two feet, you know, not depend on stimulus, not depend on all of this money that was given to the U.S. consumer. And so, you know, I would tell you that it, it requires a portfolio adjustment for a lot of you because I, I've seen what you have. Seasonally, this is a volatile time of year. We've had big sell-offs historically. They've happened in the fall. This fall seems to be like it's um, lining up with that. Uh, remember, we have earnings season start here in a week or two, uh, and that's going to, you know, the year-over-year comps on earnings season are going to be very difficult to make big moves higher. For You know, so from from 2020 to to the beginning of 2021, the comps were pretty easy to beat. Well, now that we've you know we're further and further away from the coronavirus recession, uh, year over year comps are going to be harder to beat. And so, earnings season is going to be very interesting to see what that looks like. Not only what companies are reporting from numbers wise, but what they're giving for guidance is going to also be quite interesting. And you know, the concern is essentially the guys crept in that we've we've reached peak growth. The demand is this, the consumer demand is insatiable. Uh, consumer spending figures out this week. You know. Uh, elucidate that trend, but it's the concerns are more on the supply chain side and whether or not companies can actually source the necessary materials to further grow earnings. And some companies are much, you know, anything that depends on chips uh, is really in a tough spot. Um, so the other thing that happened last week is, is Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, and Janet Yellen, uh, who runs the Treasury, both testified last week in front of Congress. Um, and of course, we're having to have this stupid debt co- debt ceiling conversation that's that historically uh, we never had to talk about, um, but it's now become this political football that they've they're using now, um, and obviously it's it's not good. Uh, if you think about globally for the U.S. economy and the Treasury market and our debt, uh, but nonetheless we're here, and so that's going to also create some volatility as this discussion around raising the debt ceiling. Um, I, I, the other thing that's interesting is the Fed has seemingly relented, gotten rid of the word transitory as it relates to inflation. Uh, Jerome Powell has certainly reticently acknowledged that inflation is higher and, and maybe it'll be higher for longer. And so he, he's finally um, he's finally relenting and gotten rid of that transitory talk as it relates to inflation. Well, he is he is agreeing that it's it's transitory in other in, in some industries, which we also agree on. But uh, I think he realizes that inflation is higher. Inflation is here to stay. Well, we're just redefining the definition of the word and the word transitory yeah, extending, uh, adding a little bit of duration to transitory ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it is quite interesting. The the, the Chairman Powell is really walking this fine line. Uh, he's and the other thing that's very sad is uh, the Fed has become political. They've po- politicized the Federal Reserve, which it shouldn't be, but uh, they've sort of gone down that road. Congress has gone down that road, and I find it quite sad. Well, but, and we we talked about it this week in the office. It's it's there's always been a politicization of it, but it's becoming more. It's overt. never been talked yeah, about. Yeah, it's though. never. It's been sort of under. 
underlying the surface. But uh, of course, they have, they have political over, affiliations, yeah, yeah. the Fed governors, but it was never talked about. Now it's being talked about, Elizabeth Warren and her uh, her cronies. Anyways, if you want to be part of the show, give us a call, 877-670-7117, or go to our website, financialfocusradio.com, and send us an email. When we come back, we're going to talk about Federal Reserve tapering and why you should care. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. three-day meat sale is going on now come into any local race food place and stock up your freezer with usda beef chicken and pork including these specials fresh ground beef sold in a three pound roll only 9.99 each whole boneless pork loins just 2.99 a pound choice untrimmed tri-tips 5.49 a pound sold two to a package the three-day meat sale going on now through sunday at your local race food place proud to be your local employee-owned grocery store Hi, I'm John Bullock, Executive Director of the Redmond Proficiency Academy. It's a great time of year to plan for your upcoming school experience. Applying now gives you your best chance to secure a place at RPA for this fall. Our proficiency-based model allows students to excel in college prep programs or to get back up to speed if they've fallen behind. RPA has always worked to revolutionize education, and we continue to guide students from where they are to where they want to be. Sometimes, families living outside of Redmond express concern about travel to and from school. Our partnership with Cascades East Transit allows students to ride the bus using their RPA student ID as a bus pass. So don't let travel time stop you from checking out RPA. And since your student can still play sports in their district, RPA is a win for your family. If RPA sounds like a good fit, visit rpacademy.org to apply. That's rpacademy.org. Freedom to be yourself, support to try new things, and guidance as you plan for your future. RPA, education as unique as you are. Fall is coming, and Finn and Fire in Redmond has been looking forward to it after a long, hot summer. They have the gear you need to move from the rivers and lakes to the trails and forests. Finn and Fire is the largest Sitka dealer on the West Coast. Sitka uses state-of-the-art technology and fabrics to make your valuable time in the woods more productive. Whether it's breathable base layers or insulation, Sitka makes gear for every kind of hunt. Italian-made crispy boots are getting rave reviews from hunters across Oregon. Crispy boots are in stock at Fin and Fire, and they have a great selection for men and women. Crispy uses Gore-Tex liners and Vibram soles, so you know they'll keep your feet dry and comfortable for those long days on the trail. Don't forget to pick up a new Benchmade hunting knife this year and check out one of the new Mystery Ranch backpacks. Fin and Fire, a fly shop unlike any other. Across from Safeway on Highway 97 in Redmond. To shoot pediatric dentistry. Did you know pediatric dentists are the pediatricians of dentistry? Deschutes Pediatric Dentistry is a kid-friendly practice, making each dental visit a positive experience. Welcome our newest dentist, Dr. Campbell, to better serve you. Your kids will love Dr. Campbell and Deschutes Pediatric Dentistry in Redmond and in Bend. Deschutes Pediatric Dentistry. Connect to the Financial Focus Radio Show on our social networks, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Listen to past shows, get our daily market blog, and keep up to date on market happenings. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter on our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. If you'd like to take us up on a free retirement review and have at least $500,000 of investable assets, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. Call our office to get that scheduled, 
The number is 800-743-0988 or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, and send us an email. So, Mr. Fernelli, in a sign of what definitely must be inflationary, something happened this week. An announcement in an earnings report came out this week, uh, which if this isn't inflationary, I don't know what is. But Dollar Tree, which in their name, everything in their store, all the crap in their store, broke the buck. costs a dollar, and they broke the buck. They announced that they're going to have to start charging uh, for certain items between a dollar twenty-five up to a dollar fifty. So, <laughs> talk about plus. inflation! Talk about inflation! You go from a buck to a buck fifty, the fifty percent inflation rate. Uh, but yeah, they talked about all of the things that every other CEO in America has talked about uh, as it relates to their business and the inflation pressures that they're feeling. And so Dollar Tree, they're gonna have to change their name to like two Dollar Tree. I thought it was Dollar Dollar Tree Plus. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah that's the. But they officially like are really having to raise prices. Uh, obviously, margins were getting squeezed. Probably they were selling a lot of stuff at a loss, kind of a la Costco model. But they don't have a a membership fee that they can charge. So uh, I just found it funny, though. It's just because it, you know, it, obviously, it is inflationary and it points to inflation. But I just found it funny that Dollar Tree. Well, they've got pricing power now after they've eaten all the mom and pops and all the uh, peripheral communities throughout the U.S. Yeah, there's actually a great book. The guy that founded Dollar Tree, uh, he wrote a book, and it's really interesting. But I, I mean, so you know, I'm watching or reading um, Made in America, the Bill or yeah, the yeah. Sam Walton story is a great book. And I'm not a huge retail guy. I mean, I, I really care about retailing, but it, when you learn about retailing, it's interesting. And so after I read the Sam Walton book, Man Made in America, I read the guy well, Dollar Tree. Store. Dollar Tree is just like the modern version of the five and dime, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, and but it's, it's, it was you know so, so was Walmart. You know, yep. it's just that's where it came from. But I didn't even re- until I read that book, I had no clue about the whole five and nine. But it's interesting. It. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the last segment, I talked about one of the the fights that's happening right now is, uh, you know, Congress raising the debt ceiling and, and making sure it gets raised. And, you know, it drives me nuts. And, you know, going back to when Troy was on the radio, it used to drive us nuts. And it wasn't like a political thing. Uh, it just it just shouldn't be a political football, the debt ceiling and, and playing with our credit rating of the of government, U.S. Treasuries. Um, and this comes from the Treasury Department. Congress has raised or extended our national debt ceiling limit 78 times since 1960, an average of once every nine months. The 78 total is split 49 times under a Republican president and 29 times under a Democratic president. So right now, the Republicans and a lot of you out there that are Republicans are talking about we have to you, this. We're going to use the debt ceiling as a way to force the Democrats to be more responsible uh, from a spending standpoint. But guess what, Republicans, you've raised the debt ceiling almost twice as many times as the Democrats have. And it never came up and it wasn't used as a political football. So stop doing it now. Now, you can have these arguments about spending and, and and these bills that they're trying to pass. I'm not trying to argue that point. I'm just trying to point use the point that this is not the hill to die on. This is not, you know, I mean, I remember the last time uh, it shut down, the government shut down. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. I have a buddy. Particularly, who, I mean, particularly in the blowout expansion of the deficit during the previous administration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the I notion mean, of fiscal responsibility being the particular purview of one party is just laughable at this point. Okay, let's talk about Federal Reserve tapering. First, Josh can describe to you what in the heck Fed tapering means, uh, because this isn't the first time it's happened. We've had it happen in the past. Uh, and then why you should care about it, because it is going to impact you, whether, you, you know, it's all you hear this government Fed speak. Who cares? It's not going to affect me. But everybody in, the, in our society that participates in society is going to be affected by Fed tapering. And then the next step of the Federal Reserve, which is to raise interest rates. So talk about what Fed tapering is, Mr. Uh, tapering is almost a 10 year old term now. Remember, <laughs> uh, we're on uh, QE infinity at this point, but it's really uh, you know, it's only been a phenomenon for essentially the last decade, but it's just the notion of buying less uh, bonds. So explain, what's, explain what QE is, and then you can explain. Quantitative easing is just the process by which uh, the Federal Reserve uh, you know, essentially uses imaginary money to buy treasuries uh, from the Treasury Department when they're issued. And uh, remember right now— uh, the... in, in an effort to push interest rates lower. Yep. Uh, you know, so— uh, right now, the Treasury uh, issues an you know an enormous amount of paper, and uh, every month the Federal Reserve comes along and buys a hundred and twenty billion dollars worth of Treasuries. Well, and, it's not just Treasuries, and another forty billion worth of mortgage-backed securities uh, with this imaginary money that they made. And so banks theoretically get to add 
that money to reserves and then lend it out uh, to you, uh, the end user or corporations or whoever. But, you know, the point is to drive interest rates lower and increase the amount of liquidity uh, sloshing around in the system and lowering borrowing costs for everyone and uh, juicing the wheels for more economic activity. And so tapering is this notion of doing a little bit less of the buying. and uh, they Each sl- month. Yeah, so they sort of want the markets to get accustomed to less liquidity being created. And so, uh, you know, the the idea is that when tapering starts, theoretically, as soon as November, uh, they're going to be reducing it by, you know, on order of $15 billion a month and let the market sort of adjust to it over time. So what was happening the first QEs in the, after the financial crisis is they were just buying treasuries, uh, essentially from the treasury. And now after the, during the coronavirus, what they did is they went into the market and actually were buying municipal bonds, mortgage-backed securities, corporate bonds, uh, and treasuries in an effort. And, they, and they're obviously the biggest buyer in the bond market by a long shot, obviously pushing rates down. The uh, Bond purchases have added more than $4 trillion to the Fed's balance sheet, which now stands at $8.5 trillion. And uh, obviously, tapering represents a teeing up of future rate hikes. So what's going to happen when the biggest bond bond buyer in the market comes out of that market? The actual bond market is going to have to react. uh, And maybe there's not such a demand by retail investors for a tenure at 1.48. Maybe for a retail investor, it needs to be 2.48. And so rates have crept high in anticipation of that. We'll see what happens when we get there, when they actually totally get out of the bond market. But the next step after that is to probably raise interest rates if inflation continues to, to, to move the way it's moving. Why do, do you care? Well, if you own intermediate or long-term bonds in your portfolio, which most of you do, you probably don't know it if you have a financial advisor, most of you do, e- either uh, in your accounts with your advisor or most more likely in your 401k, those are very what's called interest rate sensitive. If interest rates go up, those bonds will go down in price, and you're probably perceiving them to be your risk reducers your portfolio. The other part is if you have a bunch of growth stocks, stocks that would typically make up a big percentage of the, the NASDAQ, the companies in there are very dependent on low interest rates. If interest rates go up, those companies are going to struggle. They're going to have this tremendous headwind, and from a performance perspective, they are not going to do well. So what you need to do is shorten the duration in your bond portfolio, increase the quality in your bond portfolio, and then increase or decrease the the duration in your stock portfolio, meaning own companies that earn their earn their cash capital, earn real businesses that are make real things that are high quality of high quality balance sheets. Those are the ones that are going to stand the volatility that's ahead when rates go higher. And so much of this, you know, you think you, the Nasdaq is not monolithic, and so when you talk about those businesses that generate absurd amounts of free cash flow, you know, people frame this conversation in terms of the discount rate and whether or not a 50, you know, a 50 basis point higher discount rate is really going to change the calculation that much. It's more about opportunity costs. And there's a lot of non-economically viable businesses out there that exist because of negative real rates. All right. If you want to sign up for our e-newsletter, we do one in the middle and the end of the month. We did one last week. Go to our website, uh, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Little box will pop up and you can say, add me to your e-newsletter list. And that's all you'll get from us. When we come back, we're going to tackle some of your emails. So stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market trends. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com. suffers damage from fire, smoke, water, or mold, the name to remember is Summit Cleaning and Restoration. Summit Cleaning and Restoration technicians are IICRC certified. They're experts in restoring your property to pre-damaged condition. Summit Cleaning and Restoration makes the process easy by handling the negotiations with your insurance company. They're on your side as your advocate to make sure that you get the full value of your claim. 
Summit genuinely cares about how you feel throughout the process of restoring your home or business. And that is something money just can't buy. Learn all about Summit Cleaning and Restoration online at summitclean.com. In emergencies, call their 800 number 24-7. It's right on their website, summitclean.com. They also have full general contractor services and remodeling. Offering Oregon fire, smoke, water, and mold restoration since 1978. Trust the restoration experts at summitclean.com. In today's expensive real estate market, it's easy to wind up paying too much for a place to live. That's why Alpine Meadows Townhomes is a smart move. They have washer dryers in the two and three bedroom units, designer kitchens that please, one, two, or three bedrooms, and approved pets allowed. They're more affordable than all those brand new townhomes. Google Alpine Meadows Townhomes on Northeast 6th and Bed. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. There's an easier place to find affordable housing in Bend. Discover Mountain Glen Apartments and make them your comfortable home. Mountain Glen Apartments are conveniently located with washers dryers in their two and three bedroom units and designer kitchens. You can pay more, but you cannot get more value than at Mountain Glen Apartments on the corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road. To learn more, Google Mountain Glen Apartments. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. We live in a high desert wonderland. And you like to be outside. The Ben Factory stores have what you need. For the Central Oregon outdoor lifestyle. Make a bold statement and save up to 70% every day. Over 20 famous brand names like Columbia, Nike, and Pendleton. And locals like Learning Express Toys, Runway Fashion Exchange, and Cascade Mattress and Bedroom Furniture. Shop with nothing in mind and find exactly what you wanted. Great buys that reflect your personality. The best way to make more of your fashion budget is at Runway Fashion Exchange. Trade in your gently used, trendy, teen, and young adult name brand fashions. They'll pay you cash the same day. Runway Fashion Exchange is loaded with what you want. So clean out your closet and head on down and have a great day shopping. See what you're missing on Instagram.com. Runway Bend. Smart shoppers start at the Bend Factory stores, South Highway 97. Because everyone needs an outlet. And paid for by Max Pace Marketing. Attention. If you've had hernia surgery and have experienced complications such as chronic pain, infection, wound reopening, mesh migration, bowel obstruction, need revision surgery, or other complications, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. Hernia repair surgery is common and requires a mesh product to be implanted inside your body. In May of 2016, the manufacturer of a popular hernia mesh product issued a mandatory global recall due to product defects. If you've had hernia surgery and have experienced complications, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. Call the Hernia Mesh Helpline now at 800-797-0539. Our experienced attorneys will fight to get you the compensation you deserve. You pay nothing unless we get a recovery in your favor. Time is limited to file a claim, so call the Hernia Mesh Helpline now, 800-797-0539. Operators are standing by 24-7. Call 800-797-0539. That's 800-797-0539. You're listening to Financial Focus Radio Show, where you get straightforward financial advice every week from the partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Remember, you can always listen to past shows by going to FinancialFocusRadio.com or download our smartphone app today. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. My name is Tyler Simonis. That guy over there is Josh Finelli, and we're partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the Northwest. If you would like to take us up on a free retirement review and have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get one of those meetings scheduled. 800-743-0988 or go to our website uh, northwestquadrantwalt.com and send us an email. Just let us know you'd like a free retirement review. Uh, so there was a pretty interesting article in Morningstar and so I wanted to do this quiz with you. It's pretty interesting. So say, Mr. Finelli, did you ever watch um, Back to the Future with um, with uh, Marty McFly? You, know, you did, like in 1985. It was like, four, you know, well, was, that was before I was born. I was going to say, but so. It was um, a big movie when I was in my single digit years. So, yes, with Michael J. Fox. So if you could go back in time 
and say, I want to buy Apple in the 80s, uh, say you could go back to 1985 and you'd sit next to a stockbroker because they didn't have online trading then and you'd have to pay a huge commission. And you said to that said stockbroker, you said, I want to buy the five best performing stocks in the S&P 500 over the next 35 years. Uh, I'm sure the broker would s- sell you none of these stocks, but let's let's just pretend for a second. So name for me what you think are the top five in order um, stocks from 1985 through the end of 2020, the best performing stocks. 85 through 2020? Yeah. That's been around the whole time? Well, yeah, there's a lot of companies that have been around, but you're not, you're not going to get these names. Apple's in the list. I'll, I'll give you that. It's not number one, though. So they had to have been incorporated in 85? And public. Microsoft is one of them. Nope. No? Nope. I, but I don't know. Home Depot's number one. They okay. had a, they've had a 23.5% annualized, annualized return. Amgen's number two, 23.2%. Amgen was around in 85? Well, pub, yeah. Wow. 23.2% annualized uh, return. United Health, 22.5% annualized return. Forgot Remember these. United a lot Health. of these returns yeah. are, are late. Uh, Apple is number four at 22.4. And Danaher, that, that one really surprised me. Danaher at 21.8, industrial Whoa. company. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's really interesting to look at this list and say, you know, if, I wouldn't it, have gotten any and of them. And obviously, if you put a thousand bucks in either in each one of these stocks, you'd have over three million bucks uh, today. Putting, you know, that's so small investment. You can tell that compound interest obviously works. Uh, but it's pretty interesting to look back since 1985, the best performers, and Apple was number four on the list. And so a lot of people would probably disagree with that. But with a couple eighty plus percent drawdowns. Yes. Yeah. Well, there. and that's in the article. Yeah. You know, owning Apple since then. That that was actually the point. Of the article is app owning Apple from 1985. Very, very few people could have done it. Uh, Steve Jobs maybe would have been the only one that could have done it because it's a huge drop. Not there was some 80 percent plus drawdown. I mean, remember Apple was 30 days away from being insolvent when uh, Steve Jobs came was back. Microsoft not a uh, had Microsoft not IPO'd by. I don't 85? think I think they went public in 1986. Okay, they were started in the 70s, but 1986 I think is when they went public. All right, let's tackle some emails. This is let's say who this is from. Uh, I'm 59, plan to retire in a few years from a tech company. I have a block of RSUs for my company. RSU stands for restricted stock units. I was thinking of exercising them and holding them for a, holding the stock for a year or two, hoping the price would go up. I'm concerned that if I sell now at a modest gain, the price will go up after I sell. However, this will leave me about 10% of my portfolio in company stock, about double what it is now. Should I obtain the whole the stock? Should I obtain and hold the stock or sell it now? So let me explain what's happening here. So lots of uh, companies now, instead of options, they're uh, issuing restic- restricted stock units. So if you work for most of the big tech num- companies, a lot of healthcare companies do this. Um, you know, financial companies are even doing this, where they say, as part of your comp, we're going to issue you some shares of the company. It's these our stocks are going to vest. These restricted stock units are going to vest over between three and five year period, and then you own the stock, um, which beca- then is a taxable event. Um, and so, what happens is, is let's say you work for Google or Amazon or some of these companies, and it, you know they keep issuing you RSUs, and and this becomes a big percentage of your net worth. And so then it becomes this scary proposition where it's like, whoa! Not only do I work for this company, I get my health care for this company, but now I have a large percentage of my net worth in the company stock. I have probably financially too tied to this company. So how do these people protect themselves? And so what we tell people to do is we say build yourself a, a pretty basic spreadsheet and track them. Track when the RSUs are issued to you. Uh, tra- track when they're going to um, they're going to um, uh, vest. Yeah. So you actually own the stock. And then track also when that when when you when you vest and then when you owe the stock for a year, so that if you were to sell, you could sell at a long term capital gain, and then so you have this spreadsheet where you have all of these moving parts where you're seeing where your RSUs are getting issued, where they're becoming owned by you, and then where you've owned them for a year. So if if you own them for less than a year, you have to pay short term capital gain. If you own them for more than a year, it's long term capital gain. The tax differentiation on those, especially for people making a lot of income, is is a big difference. Uh, and so we know when people in Silicon Valley. When they get these RSUs vesting, they sell them immediately, and then they're buying these, you know, cars and houses. In a lot of cases, they're paying big capital gains, short-term capital gains, which is ordinary income. They don't need the extra ordinary income. So we say, 
little bit of planning can save you a whole lot of money in taxes, but also protect you in these huge positions. The other thing we tell people is to um, put uh, stop limit, stop orders underneath the stock for a certain amount of stock so that you know if the company becomes Enron or the company blows up, that you have an order automatically in your brokerage account to sell the stock to protect your gain so that you know that you're going to get a certain amount out of this company. And then let's say, like in this person's case, the company's doing well, the stock price is going up. You just keep moving the stop order up as the stock price goes up. So you can have a stop order, let's say 10 or 15% below the current stock price for a certain amount of your shares to protect some gains. Um, and that this is sort of what, the way that we uh, advise our clients or, or prospective clients in a way that protects they're giant positions so that if the, they have, a let's say, shares in a great company that is doing really well um, and the stock is ripping, you get to participate in that. But it also can protect you on the downside if, it, like I said, it, it becomes the next Enron or whatever it might be. But then you also have an idea about your tax liability on the different shares because they're, you're going to have different allotments uh, within that. So that's what we would advise you to do. There's a lot of more people that have these restricted stock units for work for different companies. Um, but that's sort of our best advice. All right. We got an email from a Bill W. And Bill says, Hum, I'll let you tackle this. How many funds are enough? I own 13 mutual funds. I think I have diversifications. Um, and then he lists his funds. I'm not going to list those out. But um, so so sort of I don't think we can answer his question specifically, but we can talk about it generally. Yeah, this is more generalized advice. So, you know, the number of funds that you have specifically is not going to be any indicator whatsoever of diversification. There's a bunch of free tools out there that you can use. Uh, to calculate the overlap and the underlying holdings, but you want to look at it from an asset allocation perspective, which just means the proportion of what those funds actually hold in the underlying. So, you know, you want to try to target what your large cap domestic U.S. stock exposure is going to be, what your mid cap exposure is going to be, what your small cap exposure is going to be, what your developed international exposure is going to be, what your emerging market exposure is going to be, and look at it from that level. Uh, because, you know, particularly as the case with active mutual funds, but, you know, there's this style drift and managers tend to sort of all coalesce around the same ideas. And so if you're approaching it from that way, uh, you know, you can see a lot of those underlying holdings ending, end up being homogenous, which is, you know, the precise opposite of what you actually want to occur. Yeah. So, Bill, in looking, I mean, I can't name the, the funds that Bill owns, but in looking at your 13 funds, um, nine of them are large cap funds, so nine of them own mostly the same stocks. Uh, and so, uh, you know, what I tell you is you're not diversified. Uh, you're not, even though you have 13 funds, you could have 10 more of those funds. And as long as they're large cap, you're you're getting the exact same thing. So, um, you know, like Josh said, you need true diversification, non-correlating assets, and that is absolutely not what you have here. And quite frankly, Josh and I see the in our free retirement reviews, People come in all the time and they have, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 different funds or ETFs in their portfolio, and most of them own the same exact thing. And so they think they're diversified, but they're really not. So, all right, if you'd like to be part of the show, give us a call. Our, our number is 877-670-7117, or you can always go to our website, financialfocusradio.com, and send us an email. When we come back, we're going to talk about building a simple retirement portfolio, what that looks like, because a lot of you get overcomplicated or your financial advisor makes you overcomplicated. So stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, Central Oregon, Trevor Devonport here, General Manager from Hertz Car Sales of Ben. Right now we have hundreds of vehicles in our Northwest inventory. Most are 2018 or newer. You're going to love the variety of quality cars, trucks, and SUVs, giving you the choices you just won't find anywhere else in Ben. Plus, take advantage of $0 down with no payments for 120 days. 
At Hearst Car Sales of Bend, we offer you the tools to do as much or as little of your car buying process online. It truly is your better way to buy a car. Start at HertzBend.com, find the vehicle you like, value your trade, apply for financing, configure your payment options, and schedule safe, sanitized, self-test drive. Remember, $0 down with no payments until 2022. No payments for 120 days through OCCU on all approved credit tiers. Interest accrues from the date of purchase. Membership required. Other exclusions, conditions, or restrictions may apply. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 10-31-21. We're on Highway 20 at the base of Pilot Butte and always online at HertzBend.com. Hertz Car Sales of Bend, your better way to buy a car. In today's expensive real estate market, it's easy to wind up paying too much for a place to live. That's why Alpine Meadows Townhomes is a smart move. They have washer dryers in the two and three bedroom units, designer kitchens that please, one, two, or three bedrooms, and approved pets allowed. They're more affordable than all those brand new townhomes. Google Alpine Meadows Townhomes on Northeast 6th and Bend. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. There's an easier place to find affordable housing in Bend. Discover Mountain Glen Apartments and make them your comfortable home. Mountain Glen Apartments are conveniently located with washers dryers in their two and three bedroom units and designer kitchens. You can pay more, but you cannot get more value than at Mountain Glen Apartments on the corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road. To learn more, Google Mountain Glen Apartments. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. I was told that I wasn't to say anything unless I was asked about it secretly. That I should keep anything I'm feeling inside buried extra deep. Hey, this is Grace Gostad. I'm a singer-songwriter, and like many, I've been traumatized by years of bullying. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're gay. You're worthless. I've felt fear, humiliation, and shame. Bullying causes real harm and can result in severe long-term depression, anxiety, addiction, and even self-harm. I created the Black Box Project for anyone who has ever felt different for any reason. So what are you hiding? What are you feeling? Go to theblackboxproject.org to hear from me, a mental health expert, and find resources to help you take the first step on the road to healing. Again, go to theblackboxproject.org. You are not alone. joining financial focus radio show the truth and wealth building call the show anytime at 877-670-7117 we'll try to answer your question on the air in the following weeks now back to the team from northwest quadrant wealth management welcome back i am a part of that said team my name is tyler simonis that guy's josh finelli and we're partners at northwest quadrant here in the great state of oregon uh, if you'd like to sign up for our e-newsletter, we do a short five or six minute video. We did one last week uh, talking about what's going on in the market. And we will get that in your inbox uh, on the 15th and 30th of every month. And that's all we'll send you. Go to our website if you want to get added to that list, northwestquadrantwealth.com and send us an email and we'll get you on the list. Uh, this comes from the Ways and Means Committee. The House Ways and Means Committee, the Tax Writing Committee, and the Lower Chamber of Congress passed legislation on Wednesday, September 15th, that would force Americans who have retirement accounts with balances greater than $10 million to take an annual minimum distribution that will be taxable and prohibit additional contributions to the account. The bill still has to pass the full House and Senate before going to the president for his signature. Um, so, to give you a little background on that, in 2019, there were 3,625 American taxpayers uh, that had these mega IRAs of at least $10 million. So explain to me how this is a problem that Congress thinks exists, that there's only 3,000 Americans that have these mega IRAs. How is this going to fix any of the problems we have in Washington, D.C.? Like taking an RMD from a $10 million IRA is somehow going to create enough revenue for all the BS spending that they're doing. This is this kind of thing that is, I, I understand politics now better, more and more, that they do stupid-ass things that derive no revenue, don't even come close to fixing the problem. It's like putting a 
it's like putting a Band-Aid on the hole that the iceberg created in the Titanic. I mean, that's the similar metaphor. And so come on, do do your job. Be grown up. Stop being political and dancing around the act. Like, come up with real solutions. Yes, I, I, I mean, these people like so you're going to penalize these people for saving money and having good investment, being good investors. So and somehow they're evil. Like they they say there are contribution limits on on these IRAs all along. They didn't do you know so they they saved money since these things were created up to the contribution limits and they made good investments. Isn't that what you want is from America? You want to you want to reward saving and good investing like that's an american ideal so why are you penalizing that now many of our clients are like oh well they're taking the money and it's like no 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 they're just take making them take it so me at 45 they're saying you would have to take out i don't have a 10 million dollar ira but if i did they'd say they're saying you have to take out your required minimum distribution a certain amount pay taxes on it and then it'd be taxable going forward well it's just more symbolism but it's also more it's 100 percent symbolism it's emblematic of the I think a coming trend, which is the recognition that you know policymakers want to accelerate the distribution timetable out of qualified accounts, knowing the vast sums of money and the the demographic balance of where it's actually sitting, and so that's something that uh, you know revenue. There's a lot of revenue to be had in sh- in shifting those policies, but not really. I mean, it's not going to fix the problem from no, a revenue no, standpoint. No. It's just pushing it forward. Yeah. The, the other thing, I mean, it, that revenue all is going to be uh, realized at some point. Like all of these RMDs are going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to push it forward. So it's revenue neutral to the federal government. In fact, well, I would say if they left them in there and let them, these people who are good investors, continue to compound the money, they'll actually get more money in the future. I would tend to agree with you in that in that regard for sure. And it's the same like. You know, Troy and I, when we used to do the talk about why we didn't convert our uh, traditional IRAs to Roth IRAs, because that's one of the things we're talking about getting rid of. It's because I don't trust the federal government to not change the rules somewhere down the road, because this is changing of the rules on these people. Yeah. After the fact, which is, uh, you know, I know we made these promises to you, but guess what? We're changing the rules because we're dumbasses and we can't spend money responsibly. (laughs) There's unquestionably rising legislative risk as it relates to Roths and people out there considering Roth conversions. So certainly take that under consideration. All right. Let's talk about um, creating simple, more simple um, retirement portfolios uh, for for, for all of you out there. Uh, And this isn't going to be like simple in terms of what your portfolio looks like, meaning more simplified life in retirement. So one of the things, the first thing uh, we, we want people to do is streamline your accounts. So one of the things that we often see is um, people will come to our office for a free retirement review and they'll have accounts at 12 or 10 different custodians or asset managers or 401ks. And so they have all of these accounts all over the place. They have like four different IRAs, three different 401ks, uh, taxable accounts. And so, you know, if that person were to die, you know, their beneficiaries would be in a tough spot. They'd have to order 27 death certificates to send all these things. Not places. even your beneficiaries. I mean, how many times do we sit in a meeting and people can't even remember the password for like two or three of the custodians that they've had money sitting there and it's just... Well, that and then, so let's say you're retired and you're saying, okay, now I need to create a retirement income from my my money. Which one of these accounts do you decide where you're going to get the money from? And then how are you building an asset allocation that's cohesive for all your money? If you have money in all these different places, how are you building a true asset allocation that matches your risk-reward profile? Well, we know the answer. You're not. And that's why we are... Strong, strong argument for consolidation. So what we tell people is if this if they come into our office and if this is you where you have accounts, 401ks, all different places, make your life and your beneficiary's life much easier by consolidating those assets all in one place. So we tell people that come to our office, say, look, here's your here. What, in our mind, your two options. You can hire an, uh, a fee based fiduciary advisor like us. And we can do it for you. We'll consolidate all your accounts. We'll probably shrink the amount of accounts you have. So, like, you might have a bunch of IRAs and 401ks. Well, guess what? All of those can go into one IRA. Uh, and, and so we'll shrink the number of accounts, but also have one sign-on, one uh, in custodian. Or you can go to a, one of the big custodians, like a Schwab, a TD, a Fidelity, a Vanguard, one of those places, and they can help you do it. But the most important thing, if you're in this position, is to consolidate all your accounts into one place uh, a lot of people say, well, I don't want all my eggs in one basket. That's not what you're doing here. You can still diversify. Um, the second thing is embrace simple uh, building blocks that when you're building your portfolio. So when I say building blocks, I mean the actual investments that you're putting in your portfolio. Embrace simplicity. Too often, 
like these esoteric, confusing investments, people think there's value there when in reality there's not. So embrace simple. Uh, and we we define that as every every uh, constituent in your portfolio needs to either be a return enhancer or a risk reducer. But it's not just that, and it needs to be very clear which one of those they are. It's not just that; it needs to be like broad exposure to a very liquid investment. So when we think of uh, the investments that we're putting in uh, client portfolios, they're highly liquid, uh, exchange traded funds that we know exactly what's in their port in in the fund. So it's a what we think of as a simple um, uh, portfolio. Uh, the next thing is prune uh, diversifiers that actually aren't diversifiers. So a lot of you have stuff in your portfolio that we think of as clutter. If you can't identify if it's a risk reducer or a return enhancer, get rid of it. So we think of things like preferred stocks, high yield bonds. We don't know what box those fit in, so we don't think they fit in the portfolio. Or we'll see people that are have, for the most part, embraced index investing, and then they've just gone off and have this little component of their portfolio devoted to dividend-paying stocks or whatever it is, and the opportunity cost and that money ends up completely undermining the rest of their supposed rationale for uh, being an, an index-based investor. And then lastly, uh, you should document it all so you can create rules, know why you own what you own. And then review it once a year. So if you're doing this yourself, do an annual review where you're looking at your investment policy statement and your investments or whatever it might be, making sure you're sticking to the course or you can do it with your advisor. Uh, but really, these that's a simple way to build a portfolio. Uh, and we believe that it's going to drive good long-term returns. All right. If you want to take us up on a free retirement review and have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get one of those scheduled 800-743-0988. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market trends. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com.